0: Hi, this is Nikit Kharajgi from Eternal Elements, brought to you by Tessa Online. This is season six and we talked about corporate governance and we're in a quite an advanced stage. I spoke about a whole lot of things. I spoke about how ethics come into play. I spoke about how the organization can actually enforce ethics. I talked about the entire culture that has to be created. And I talked about the code of ethics and all the programs associated with it. We're now going to move into some critical elements which are the practical applications of corporate governance. One of the fundamental areas where an organization needs to practice corporate governance is in the area called the Integrity Pact. Now what is an Integrity Pact? It's a pact between the government and the people who are going to be contracted to do business with the government. The whole idea is to refrain from corruption, bribery and to ensure this happens, the bidders are mandated to disclose all transactions that they enter while the project is being processed. You're supposed to talk about all the commissions. That means you're supposed to disclose all the commissions that were paid to any party. You're supposed to discuss if there was any thing that you want to talk about in the loss of contract. Was there something which was not right because of which you lost the contract? And uh, You're supposed to scale it up, but we're going to talk about whistleblowing a little later. So, in an integrity pact, what happens is you primarily enter into the agreement with the government, and the bidders are mandated to adhere to certain norms of ethics when you're dealing with the integrity pact. And should there be a violation, you have the option of whistleblowing available, as I just said. There is an option available even in terms of the visual mechanism, and we will talk about that as we move ahead. But let me first discuss the whole idea of integrity pact. Should a vendor Should a supplier violate the integrity pact, it leads to loss of contract. It leads to, if there is a bond security given, it leads to forfeiture of the bond. It can also be a court case with damages being claimed. It could be a permanent ban from breeding. And there could be criminal and disciplinary actions. Now why is this done? This is done primarily for a social cause because the taxpayers' money is used effectively. That's the whole idea behind the integrity pact. It is monitored by members of the civil society. It ensures that the system remains clean both at the part of the government as well as the part of the private organization that's partnering with the government. It ensures that there's a safe environment for the company and the best of all, absolute transparency for the citizens. Should this get violated within an organization, let's say the organization, which is a private venture or private enterprise, is actually getting involved in certain unethical stuff, or maybe it's the government that's getting involved in unethical stuff. There's this whole idea of whistleblowing that has come into play now. Whistleblowing is actually comes from the word comes from the Policeman who blows a whistle whenever there is a foul play and the public attention is drawn to it. The same thing about whistleblowing policy. It is a policy which comes into play to bring in public attention and to, for the law enforcement officers. Now, what happens is in a the whistleblowing, there are individuals who expose corruption and fraud that could be happening within an enterprise. And it prompts investigation. You're not complaining against a person. You're basically talking about a situation with evidence as to why you think the fraud has happened. It's a person who reports the misconduct of individuals or the group also. So not only the person reports a fraud, corruption, but if there is a misconduct from individuals or groups, that's also a part of whistleblowing. The intent is to stop the foul practices that may be happening in the organization and raise an alarm. You can have internal whistleblowers who can escalate it within the organization. These are employees of the organization. External, it could be that you know you whistleblow, the internal person can whistleblow to an external entity or an agency, which could be media, regulators, or authorities. It could also be an ex-employee. So when we're talking about internal escalation, it's a member within the organization who's escalating it. To the members within the organization again, so it could be ethics committee that could be escalated too. The alumni is an outside person who is a formal employee, and even he can whistle blow. He can whistle blow within the organization. He can whistle blow outside. The government can also be a party to whistleblowing if there is a foul play happening within the government. So that means the government can whistle blow. The government. Members in the government can whistleblow for anything that's happening within the government organization. And a corporate whistleblowing is a foul play in the corporate. The impersonal whistleblowing is another aspect for it, which primarily, uh, you know, it's something that I am not party to it, but I felt that I should report because it's harming others. And therefore, I go ahead and whistleblow. I'm not a part of the organization. I'm not an ex-employee of the organization, but I still feel that I must whistleblow as my own mandate. And I can do that for sure. And that's what whistleblowing policy is all about. Whistleblowers are protected by law. You cannot take any action against whistleblowers. You cannot do any vindictive act against a whistleblower. Whistleblowers have to be treated with absolute respect within the organization. There's this whistleblowing mechanism that exists within the organization and it's defined in the Code of Ethics and it has to be documented properly in the Code of Ethics. There's also a visual mechanism where directors and employees can report genuine concern to the Code of Ethics Committee or to anybody within the organization. It's applicable to companies who accept deposits, borrowings. That means any shareholder of the organization can actually come in and report matters pertaining to anything where the guarantees have been violated or the safeguards have been violated. The visual visual mechanism also says that you cannot put a shareholder into a process of victimization ever. So, a direct access to the chairperson of the audit committee is available, the details of the visual mechanism is available on the website, the visual officers must be protected, false complaints, obviously you take suitable action, and uh, it is overseen by the audit committee with the chairman in terms of how the visual mechanism is actually operating. Now, if there is a conflict of interest, what happens if there is a vigilance action against a person who's running or a part of the visual mechanism? Well, he's got to recuse himself from the case because obviously there's a conflict of interest. Visual mechanism a lot of times gets applied to shareholders. But I think visual mechanism is something that you can go ahead and apply it for within the organization also as to how the different aspects of compliance deviations within the organization are being handled. And that's what the mechanism does. So bring in a strong visual mechanism within the organization. It becomes a deterrent for the employees and the members. And they just think twice before they indulge in any compliance deviations. Thank you very much. This is Nikit Karasgi from Eternal Elements, brought to you by Tessa Online, signing off on this podcast where I talked about the Integrity Pact, I talked about the whistleblowing, and I talked about the visual mechanisms that every organization must set up. We are kind of coming midway into the final elements from there on, on the corporate governance, but there's still a lot to talk. Thank you very much. I'll see you in the next podcast.